give you a little insight into my sermon preparation here just for a moment. Um, as you know, I love to preach in sermon series. I, I enjoy that, that I can build on it and we can cover a topic or a section of scripture or something and keep working through the Bible or through that topic. And uh, you'll notice that most of our, our sermons are like that. And then I have a thing that I call the standalone sermon, where we're in between sermon series and we have one that just stands alone. It's, it's, it's all by itself. And I have a whole file of these. I have perhaps a hundred of them that are just sitting there uh, where usually it happens like this. I'm doing my devotions and I'm just reading the word of God. And just because I'm a Christian, I'm reading the word of God. And all of a sudden something just jumps out like that would be an amazing sermon. And I didn't go to the scripture looking for a sermon. I just went there just to be fed, and then the Holy Spirit just makes it real. And so I'm like, wow. And so I'm writing down things, and I'll, and I'll put it to the side. Well, I have a whole file of those, and, and some of them have been there for a couple of years. And, and I just have them there, and you know, when I have a one-at-a-time thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the one that I should preach. Well, that's what happened this weekend, because Keith Kraft was here for our men's conference and uh, was going to preach this weekend. But he had to get home. He said uh, he'd been traveling too much, and he said he really needed to be preaching at his church. Uh, we totally understood, but that left me in a standalone spot in between series. And I'm like, all right. So I went and grabbed that file and prayed over it, and I just said, God, which of these that you spoke to me on a previous date, what is what you need me to preach today? What do you want to reveal to the church? Where are we at? What is it? And it just jumped off the page. It just was so clear that God said, I want you to preach the sermon that you had there called So Much More. Now, if you notice, how many noticed when you walked into the auditorium, you noticed that above the cross, we had the words So Much More. How many noticed that right away? You saw it. And for those online, they'll go ahead and throw a picture up for you so you can see what all the people at the church saw. That isn't uh, usually there. There's so much more. I don't know about you, but I, I tend to see little details. I, I wish I didn't see it. Sometimes I'll see like something on the floor or something over there, and I'll, I'll see things out of place. And if I was walking into the room and I didn't know that that was going to be there with the sermon, that would have caught my eye. I would have saw that right away, like what is going on? And I'm hoping that you'll, you'll grab hold of this today with this sermon. We're not going to leave up the so much more uh, graphic up there. That's not going to stay up there. It's just going to be this weekend, okay, because it's just for this sermon. But I wanted you to see the visual. I wanted our tech team to do this, and thank you to our tech team for getting that done, because I wanted it to be there. I wanted it to burn an image into your mind as I'm preaching this sermon, as you're worshiping, and as you did today, for you to grab this and have something to remember. And I'm hoping it burns into your mind, almost like... Um, Remember the TVs that a few years ago, everybody's worried that you'd leave those flat screens on and the image would burn in there. And sometimes it did. Like if your kids left the Nintendo on all night and then you'd be watching a movie and there'd be Super Mario like as a ghost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I'm just praying that, yeah, you, some of you had that happen. Uh, I'm just praying that that's what would happen with this so much more sign that you'll grab it, that you'll understand it because we're going to focus on the cross and how much God loves us, but I don't think we even have a clue how much he loves us. He loves us so much more. Now, we're going to look at the cross, and it's very appropriate to look at the cross at, at Easter, which we did a couple weeks ago, and uh, hundreds of people gave their life to Jesus. We were so grateful for that, and we were focusing on the cross and on the empty tomb. But again, I want us to look at the cross and realize the cross does, in fact, equal love, but more love than you ever could fathom or understand. It's just greater than you ever could. And I want to start out with this question for you. Do you see yourself as someone that your heavenly father loves very much? 
Do you see yourself as someone that your heavenly father loves very much? He wants you to see yourself this way, and I hope this sermon will open that up to you. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5. If you don't, we're going to put it on the screen underneath uh, the preaching. And uh, we do that for those that don't have their Bible or just to make it easy for you to follow along. But always love if you have your Bible, whether it's electronic version or print, and, and being able to follow along and take notes of what God is speaking to you. Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and he says this for, in verse 6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, some wound would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now I want you to understand this. When you look at the cross, go ahead and glance at the cross again with this so much more. When you look at the cross, I want you to understand this. That's how much God loves you while you were his enemy. That's how much God loves you when you were opposed to him. That's how much God loves you when you were a sinner. That's how much he loved you when you were separated from him. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. And when we look at the cross, we say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. We, we don't even need to think about the life we're living now. We need to think about the fact that before we were a follower, he loved us enough to die on the cross while we were separated from him. And when the Apostle Paul is writing this in Romans 5, he's not focusing on so much the death of Jesus, although he's talking about that. He's focusing on the moral condition of you and I. And he's using words in there. He says, while we are still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now he's saying helpless. When those people could do nothing, they were weak. They, they were just totally weaklings. When they had nothing to offer... He says, God died for the ungodly. You got to understand this. The word that's being used there is the word irreverent. It means those people that are living in rebellion to God with no respect for God, almost defiant, if you will, towards God. And the best way I could illustrate this is uh, just to think about, for just a moment, just imagine having a, a rebellious teenager. Don't raise your hand. Okay, don't like point. Okay, tell you this one right here. Talk to this one. Okay, don't do that. And I got to say, we're blessed right now. Our, our Connor and Logan, uh, matter of fact, right now today, our family is at three different campuses. Logan's playing at our Faribault campus. Connor is at our Edina area campus. We're here. Uh, we're even trying to figure out, like, should we have lunch together afterwards? We're trying to figure out where we could meet. So we're blessed. It's just a, a thrill to watch your children grow up in the ways of the Lord. It doesn't mean they don't, like, bow up on occasion, all right? They're not perfect. But just imagine if you had a rebellious teenager and you're talking to them and you say, get over here right now, I want to talk to you. And they go, no, I am not coming over there to talk to you. I'm not going to listen to you. How many of you at that moment you go, and you say those words they can't understand, but they, the tone, they get it. How many know? And then they go, No. I'm not going to listen to you, and I'm out of here. And they go out to their car, and they start their car, and they squeal out and peel out out of the driveway. How many know in that moment, you don't want to die for them, you want to kill them? <laughs> right? Okay, so if you can feel that intensity right there, while we were rebellious teenagers, irreverent, in the worst of the worst, we were so defiant, we were just 
angry towards God. And, and, we're doing, and in that moment, instead of saying, I just want to smash humankind, he's thinking, I need to send my son to die for them. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible because I can feel the intensity there and yet I'm realizing, like, take it up a notch. Imagine somebody that did such a terrible crime against your family, killed someone you love, they're on death row and they're going to pay the price for that and they're gonna lose their life and the whole way they're going to death row, they're sneering at you and just yelling at you and mocking your family that they killed your loved one. The whole time you'd be thinking, I hope you die and I hope it's painful. That's the human side, that's the flesh side. But God, as we're sneering at him, deserving death penalty, he's like, I love you so much that I'm sending my son to die for you. Wow, wow. That is just amazing. God loves us that much that he would love his enemies so much that he would send his son to the cross. It's amazing. Now, Romans 5, 9, and 10, just continuing here. It says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through, his, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And this is where I got the so much more because I'm reading this and it's like much more just jumps out. And so I just thought, so much more. Like the cross, as I look at the cross, I'm always like, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. And I, and, I, and, I, and I almost understand it on this side of the cross, like as his child. And I gotta have a whole nother understanding, like on the enemy side, wow, thank you for the cross. And so much more now that I'm his child. If he loves us that much as enemies, what do you think he loves you like as his child? It, it, it's mind-blowing that we really can't even understand this. And, and, and I, I saw this illustration, and I've got to share it because it just grabbed me when I read it. Because we've had a chance to, an opportunity to work with refugees. Our global teams go around the world, and they're, uh, they're amazing. And, and sometimes we work with orphans. Sometimes we work with refugees. Sometimes we uh, work with unreached people groups or wherever we go. It's very strategic. And uh, we were able to work with refugees in Thailand. They were from Myanmar, and uh, they were there and living in the jungle with nothing, no chance of a job, nothing. So we brought thousands of dollars of food, brought it up the river to them, found these little huts. And as we were on this team there ministering in Thailand, uh, all, all of a sudden, we had all these kids here. There were 100 kids, and they were all enjoying our presentation. We said, we'd love to pray with you at the end. And uh, the little prayer request started coming up. The little kids came up, and the first little boy that prayed with us, he said, I'm having bad dreams. I'm like, oh, that's so sad. What, what, what kind of dreams are you having? He's like, well, I keep seeing the people that killed my mom and dad over and over again. I was like, oh, another level. Another level. Now imagine if that little boy, imagine if that little boy uh, saw his parents killed by people like he did, but imagine somebody comes along and says, hey, little boy, I know you're alone and I know you're sad. I want to take care of you. And he looks at this man, and the man's covered with blood, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm all alone. Somebody just killed my mom and dad. And he says, I know, I know, but I tried to stop him. I'm from that group that, that killed your mom and dad, but I tried to stop him. And matter of fact, in the process, I, I had my son with me, and the people killed my son. They, they took his life as I was trying to save you and trying to save others. Will you come with me? And the little boy's like, sure, sure, I'll go along with you. 
little boy goes with him and he has no one else in his life and he realizes this guy lost his son to try to save me. This guy loves me. And this guy starts giving him food and education and all of a sudden this little boy could start to realize that, that this guy had some money too and now he's living in this nice house and he's with this guy and this guy's taking care of him. And all of a sudden through the years, this guy all of a sudden says, you know what? I love you so much that I want to adopt you. I want to make you my child. I want to take you and, and give you my name. And not only that, everything I have is yours. You're going to inherit it all because I, I'm adopting you as my son. That analogy is, is not even close to how much God loves us. And think about it. He's saying, I sent my son for you. In the process of trying to save you, I sent my son for you. And my son gave up his life for you. And it's, our, our illustration is way worse than even that story that I would just, was just telling. Our, our story is this. Our sins put Jesus on the cross. Your sin, my sin, put Jesus on the cross. And so we, we were the ones that did the, the terrible things. We were the ones. And yet God says, I love you so much that I would send my son to die for you. Yes. Wow. It, it, it still, it, it blows my mind. And I hope you're, you're grabbing this, that God loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you while you were his enemy. And, and here's the thing. Can I just correct some theology for some of us? Here's what a lot of us understand. We, we, we are, we're amazed by the Holy Spirit. We don't understand how he works, but we're amazed by him, okay? Some people are a little afraid, but you don't have to be. Um, we absolutely love Jesus because Jesus is nice and kind and pets sheep. And so we love Jesus. He's good. We're good at Jesus. God the Father, we're kind of like, ooh, Old Testament, lightning bolts, Charlton Heston, something like, you know what I mean? That's what we're thinking. And so we're kind of like, Jesus loves me. This I know. Father, I'm not sure. Okay. Can I just correct that? It was God the Father's plan to send his son. It was his love for you that sent Jesus. Jesus was saying, if you want to know what the Father's like, look at me. What I'm doing, that's what the Father's like. What I see him do, that's what I do. He's madly in love with you. So you need to understand, a lot of us have this understanding. We're followers of Jesus. We're Christians. And we're kind of like, we go to things in, in prayer and we're kind of timid and we're afraid. And we're like, okay, I hope you're not mad at me today. You know, he's like, I've adopted you in. I've, you're my son and daughter. This is an amazing thing. He said, I, I, I love that I get to call you sons and daughters. And I don't have time to go into all this, but I want you to understand this. It's for everyone, sons and daughters. And the way that the Bible talks about it, it says we are all inheriting children. Now, in the Bible times, only the boys would inherit the things, not the girls. But the way the Bible writes it in Romans and the way the Bible writes it all throughout the New Testament is everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls upon the name of Jesus is an inheriting son or daughter. Everything God has becomes yours. Okay? So we got to start understanding that the promises of God are for us. He loves us so much. And I hope you can grab this. And there's a couple of thoughts you have to understand. First of all, you have to see yourself as someone that God loves very much. You have to just settle that right now. If God loves you so much that he'd send his son to die for you while you're his enemy, as his child, he loves you very much. I had a friend, he asked me once, he goes, do you think God loves you? You know, and I said, of course he does. And he goes, how can you be so confident? And I was like, because he does. 
And he's like, I know, but like, you really seem to like believe it. I'm like, well, it's not because I did anything good, but I understand he loves me so much. I'm his child. Why wouldn't he love me? And he's like, wow, you're just so confident, you know? And, and I just finished uh, the book, Jesus Is by Judah Smith and uh, absolutely loved it, by the way. And uh, in there, he talks about one apostle that really got this. He said, the apostle John really understood that God loved him because five times the apostle John, when he's writing it about himself, he says, John, the apostle Jesus loved. And then interesting, Jesus doesn't say it, but John does. John, the one he loved. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I think we should go to prayer and be like this. God, it's Rob, the one you love. Why not? My kids do that to me. Why not? I mean, he does. He loves you. So you've got to settle this and see yourself as someone that God loves very much. Secondly, you have to realize you are very valuable to God. Amen. You are very valuable to God. Now, we use a term in society, and, and we use it, and we're actually referring to God sending his son, and we don't even realize it. You say, oh, that chocolate cake is amazing. It's to die for. We're saying it's so incredible, it's so amazing, it's so worth it, you would die for it, okay? And so when you think about this, when you're in chocolate cake, it's not that good, it's good, but it's not that good, all right? But you are so, so worth it, you are so valuable to God that he says you are to die for. You are to die for it. Now, grab that. Now, I understand some of us will say, I, but I feel worthless and I feel unworthy. And there's a big difference between worthless and unworthy. Worthless means there's, you have no value, you're good for nothing. But God never says you're worthless. But he does say we're unworthy. Now, unworthy, that is a comparative word. And here's what it means. It means you are unworthy of what God did for you. Compared to what he did for you, he sent his son to die for you. Compared to anything you could do, if you did a gazillion good deeds, if you were the best of the best, compared to what he did, you are unworthy of this exchange. Okay? It, it, it's, you're unworthy of it. It, it. He paid the price. He gave his life, and you are unworthy. But here's the thing. You are not worthless because worth is set on what somebody will pay for it. And if God would send his son to die for you, then you have great value, incredible value in his eyes. Matter of fact, if you just follow the logic of Mark chapter 8, verse 36, it says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And if that's true, that your soul is worth more than all the money, if you could get all the money in the world and not have eternal life with God, you lose. That means you are worth more than all the money in the entire world. That's what it means. Okay, so you are that valuable to God that he would send his son to die for you. And I know that some of you that know your Bible are thinking, but wait, I thought that the Bible says, even if we do everything we're supposed to do, at the end of the day, we're still unprofitable servants. You're right. Luke 17, 10, it says this. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have only done that which we ought to have done. You're right. But here's the thing. This term is an economic term. This term is saying profit. 
This term is comparing it to the return that you're giving to what he did for you. And it's a, it's a profit term. And it's, it's something that is there saying, no matter again how much you do, you could never equal the price that was paid for you. It's a bad exchange. And here's the reason why God put this in there. Understand this. Here's why God told us this. Not so we walk around going, I'm just unworthy. I'm, I'm, I can't even be profitable for God. That's not why he did that, okay? Catch this. He put that in there to show you that the cross was not a business deal. If it's a business deal, it's a bad exchange on his part. He did it to show you it was a love deal. That's it. He said, even if you work and do everything, you're still unprofitable to me, but guess what? It was a love thing. I did it because I love you. I didn't you know, do it as a business transaction. It was a love transaction. Wow. I'm telling you what, this gave me a whole new understanding to buying my wife roses. It's not a business. I mean, guys, here's what we do. We go, man, they're that much money, and they're going to die, but she likes them, but they're going to die, and so maybe I ought to buy her a rose bush and plant it and come back every year. I don't know. It's not a business deal. It's a love deal. Some of the wives are like, honey, get that revelation. All right. Yeah. But it is. It's a love deal, and the cross is a love deal. It's not a business deal. Number three, see yourself as a forgivable person. You have to be able to see yourself as a forgivable person. And this came from my mom about a month ago. She didn't realize that I was going to be preaching this sermon, but she said, I wrote this down, and if you ever want to use this, uh, you could use it. And it just fits perfect for this sermon about see yourself as a forgivable person. She wrote this. She said, shortly after I accepted Christ as my Savior and my sins had been forgiven, the enemy started to attack me. I would drive by someplace, remember what happened, and Satan would tell me that God didn't know about what happened there. I'd go home and ask forgiveness for that specific sin, and God would show me through the scripture that he knew about it and that I had been forgiven. Over and over this would happen until I doubted my forgiveness and my place in God's kingdom. Finally, God spoke to my heart and said, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. Either you believe this or you don't. My blood was shed for your sins. I have a purpose for your life. You are my daughter and I love you. The next time the enemy came, I didn't listen, but he didn't give up because I wasn't fighting back. After that, when he came back, I would get angry and tell him to get away from me. Finally, when he tried again and told me over and over again that I wasn't worthy of God's forgiveness and love, I would laugh and say, I know it. I know it, and it still amazes me that God could love me so much, but he does. You know it, I know it, so get out of here. I love that. She said, are you forgiven but walking in shame? Do you believe that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you? He did. It doesn't make sense in my mind, but Proverbs tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust the Lord. Do you feel that your past sin keeps you from serving God? If you do, you need to take Satan off the throne and put God there. You can only believe one, so choose this day whom you will serve. You are his beloved child. He calls your name. He loves you, forgives you, and wants you to walk hand in hand with him. Don't let anyone or anything stop you from receiving the love and forgiveness that God has for you. Man, that is good stuff. You have to see yourself as a forgivable person. 
You are forgiven. And it's an amazing thing. As I was looking into this, it's an amazing thing. Isaiah 43, verse 25 says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Wow, God's saying, I do this for you. You're forgiven. And the Bible tells us over and over again that we're his children. And and as I was researching this, uh, I found something that John Piper said. And he said, it would have been amazing if God would have just said, you know, they sinned and and I'm just going to leave them alone. I'm just going to let them alone. He said, it would have been amazing if God would have just said, well, I'm going to forgive them of their sins, but I'm going to exile them to a a, a special place, and I'm not going to talk to them anymore, but they're forgiven. He said, that would have been amazing. He said, it would have been amazing if God would have just said, I forgive them, and I'm going to give them eternal life, and they can be with me. But think about it. He takes it all the way. I'm going to forgive them, give them eternal life, and I'm going to call them sons and daughters. Didn't deserve it. Amazing. He went all the way to the greatest thing that he could ever do to us. Last thing. Think of yourself as a changeable person. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and this is what we are. Now I wanna tell you this, he's saying you're my children. You're my children, you're in relationship with me. I am your father and you're in relationship and this is something incredible that God does for us. He says, I love you and I adopt you in as my sons and daughters. But here's what I'm going to do. I brought you into the family. Now, track with me on this because this is some, something you got to understand. He said, I bring you into the family. You're now a son or daughter. But here's what I'm going to do. I am going to place my spirit in you. What I'm going to start doing is like a DNA transfer, a genetic changeover in you, a spiritual genetic DNA thing is happening. I'm planting my spirit in you as my son or daughter, and as you follow me as my son or daughter, you are going to start to look like me, because I'm going to change you. You used to be enemy, and you didn't look like me. Now you're son or daughter, and I brought you in, but now you're going to look like me. It's like, have you ever known somebody that has adopted somebody? And you don't know that they've, they're adopted. And you say, your daughter looks just like you. And inside they're kind of like, coincidence, you know, they're adopted, right? But God says, guess what? It isn't just a coincidence that you look like me. When I brought you into my family, I put my spirit in you and I start to make you think like me, act like me, talk like me, love like me. And you start to look like me because there's a spiritual genetic DNA transfer going on as you follow him. That's an amazing gift that God does. And he says, I love you so much. I love you so much. If you're my son or my daughter, now I'm gonna help you to be formed into my image. Welcome to the family. And every promise he has is yours. Every blessing he has is yours. When he looks at you, he smiles. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. We should never be arrogant and haughty and, you know, look at those sinners over there. No, we should never be like that. Man, if God could love us that much when we're his enemies, wow, wow, wow. I want you to go ahead and look at the cross and there's so much more. Go ahead and throw it up on the screen even. I don't want people looking at me. And I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask that you'd actually keep your eyes open during the prayer. We don't usually do this, but I want you to look at the cross and I want you to catch that image that God loves you so much more. So God, we just pray right now, and as our eyes are focused on the cross and even the words above the cross, it says so much more. 
it overwhelms us. It just, it blows us away. Um, we stop to remember what we did. We know what we did. And we're so thankful that you don't remind us about it, but you've forgiven it. We're reminded that we were your enemies and now we're your sons and daughters. And so I'm praying that we'd get a greater revelation of the cross, that it's so much more. Cross says, I loved you when you were my enemy. It says, welcome to the family. And I pray that we'd not stop there, but we'd build on it. We'd realize the spirit of God is in us and working through us now to change us into your image. You love us so much more than we could ever fathom. And I pray we'd not walk around with guilt and shame and try to punish ourselves, but instead we'd walk in victory, realizing we're your sons and your daughters. I ask that we'd pray differently, Lord God. I pray that we'd pray in a way saying, hey, it's Rob, the one you love. Hey, it's Becca, the one you love. It's the one you love. And I pray that we'd have a new confidence as we come into your throne, as we come into your presence, asking in faith, believing that we'd understand that you love us so much more. Help that to be a reality in our life. Help us to live differently. Help us to love this world. Because if you could love us while we're your enemies, then I pray that we would love people more than we ever have, Lord. Help us to be the most kind, loving people because you love us so much more. Thank you for that revelation today, God. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can you stand with me?